This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with conservation specialists relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. We are talking today with Ranger Bick Wheeler. Uh, he is a uh, wildlife biologist at Acadia National Park, way up in the northeast part of the country. So, uh, uh, Bick, welcome. It's great to be talking with you. Uh, you're, uh, you have a degree in uh, wildlife biology and ecology, and you've studied foraging behavior of warblers, and now you're in charge of uh, talking about all of wildlife in Acadia. So, uh, well, what's what? It, where where is Acadia in Maine? How does one get there? Yeah, so Acadia National Park is located on the coast of Maine, uh, uh-huh. the sort of middle of the coast. It's a fifty thousand acre uh, park where there's lands on several islands and also a little bit on the mainland. Uh-huh. So the integration of that coastal area along uh, along Maine. And how big is the park? So there's 50,000 acres in sea lands, and then there's also Acadia has a unique uh, ability in where we actually hold conservation easements on uh, neighboring lands. So oh. some uh, integration with neighbors and also collaboration in, in those conservation of those lands. That's kind of unique, isn't it, to uh, have those easements as part of the it park? Yeah. Yes, it is, and it's a, it's a nice way for... Uh, those partnerships with the park to really expand and really collaborate with with other folks in different types of ownership formats. Are there road Are there roads within the park? There are roads. There's actually uh, historic motor roads and there are historic non-motor roads within the parks or within the within Acadia. Um, and so there is a, a a loop road and there are also these historic carriage roads that go throughout the park, uh, which is is not open to motor vehicles. Uh, but it's a great way for to explore the park by horseback, carriage, um, and also bicycling. Uh-huh. Is, is any part of the park that dedicated as wilderness? There's no official uh, wilderness dedications within Acadia. Uh-huh. But there's some hard-to-reach areas, there I gather. hard-to-reach areas, yeah. yes. Uh, and any native old growth? Uh, there's a lot of uh, predominantly red spruce uh, woodlands, which are... Quite mature, and uh, and a lot of those forests are uh, pretty unique in, in the area. There certainly is uh, a long history of, of harvest and, and timber harvest long before the park was um, was established. But there's there's a lot of uh, woodlands in there. What's the landscape like? So the landscape being on the coast is. Uh, a pretty amazing mix, actually, for being a, a relatively small park area-wise. There's a lot of different habitats and landscapes. Uh, there's the, the intersection between the, the coastal and then lean, leading up to a mountainous area. So there's everything from uh, fallen oh. granite outcropping to wetlands and lakes and the rocky coast of Maine and then the islands. Uh-huh. What's the geologic history of the park? So the geologic history, it, it goes back uh, about 500 million years to um, volcanism and, uh, and tectonic uplift. Um, and then the, uh, it was then glaciated um, and polished 
So, so what we see today is the uh, post-glacial landscape uh, uh -huh. after the, the granite domes were polished and then different uh, erosive uh, mechanisms you know, continuing till today. So from the sea um, and the everything from uh, receding and, and advancing shorelines to uh, you know more more typical rain events and and also uh, biological processes and plants and lichen that are eroding the, the granites as well. Did the glaciers carve out uh, valleys and cirques? Yeah, so in the park, it's generally um, dominated by U-shaped valleys from the uh -huh. glaciers, uh, uh -huh. and so we have granite domes um, that run uh, north-south generally, and then in between each of the domes would be a, a lake or a basin within that in that valley. So uh, where where did the name Acadia come from? Uh, some of these history questions are a little bit outside of my personal expertise. Okay. Um, How long has it been a national park? So the national park was, uh, it started to be established in 1916, and then it went through a couple of iterations as the park expanded, and actually the name, name did change a couple of times as well. Was it a monument before it was made a park? It, it started as a monument in 1916. Oh, uh -huh, okay. So it has, uh, four, it has four million visits annually. Uh, what attracts people to the park? Uh, there's a, a wide range of uh, visitor experiences um, and different types of recreation at the park. Uh, some of my, my favorites are, are hiking, uh, bird watching, boating, bicycling, um, and fishing, you know, rock climbing, horseback riding, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. It's a, a high density of, of different types of and ranges of visitor experiences, uh, which is something that we're pretty proud of at Acadia and how uh, a lot of folks can experience Katie in a lot of different ways. Can you rent horses uh, in the park or adjacent to the park? Yeah, so there is, um, on the historic carriage roads, uh, is, a, is a great place for uh, horseback riding. Uh, is that inside the park or just outside? Yeah, that's inside the park. Oh, uh huh. It's about uh, 45 miles of historic carriage roads. Well, how, ma how many miles of trails? Uh, there's over 150 miles of trails. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. Hiking trails, yeah. So, uh, what's the natural, uh, and historical, cultural and historical significance of Acadia? Uh, the, the cultural historic significance is a little bit outside of my expertise. Yeah. Natural significance? Uh, yeah, so the, the natural significance is... Uh, really, I think that the thing that I'm I'm most excited about is uh -huh. the whole coastal aspect and how the park has a unique um, blend of that sea coast into mountainous regions. The rest of the uh, coast is not quite as mountainous, so there's a, an isolated pocket of these uh, more mountainous areas, and how those really blend from from the the granite tops to the to the sea. And that's what's really amazing about the park and all these different habitats that that creates. Yeah, so there's a diversity of habitat, and I assume of the forest as well. Yeah. So the uh, the park, just where it lies, is in between the transition between the northern coniferous and the southern hardwood forest, uh -huh. uh, as well as having a lot of these diverse uh, type of um, geologic and, and environmental habitat. 
So from wetlands to uh, to forested areas to windswept locations. So there's a, a very high diversity of forests and community types. So what is your what is your uh, uh, interest mostly in regard to the wildlife? Is it uh, small um, uh, aquatic features of kinds of animals or mammals? Uh, what's what's the diversity of your uh, involvement? Yeah, so there's uh, again from that diversity of habitats, there's quite amazing diversity of, of wildlife that lives in those habitats. Uh, there's over 300 species of birds that are uh, encountered in the park. Um, and then there's also cold water fish, uh, diadromous fish that are utilizing the freshwater and the marine environments. Uh, there are uh, mammals using those areas, aquatic mammals. And, uh, and so there's quite an amazing diversity of, of wildlife and, and vertebrates. Um, in the park. There's also an amazing diversity of invertebrates in the park as well. So uh, I assume seals and sea lions, maybe otters along the coast? So there are seals uh, along the coast and, um, and several species of whales as well. Um, the park is a, we don't have jurisdiction in the marine environment, uh, just on the terrestrial and, and intertidal environments. What species of uh, seals are there? Uh, harbor seal and gray seal. Uh-huh. And sea lions? No sea lions, no. No sea lions, huh? Okay. And what kind of whales are out on the on the ocean? So there's a lot of uh, d different ways. They're generally far offshore, um, but humpback whales are a, a common common species. Yeah. And I assume people come to, to whale watch, is that right? Is that seasonal? Uh, generally seasonal. Um, the <laughs> recreation boating offshore in the winter is, is a, not a very popular activity. Oh. It, it gets pretty rough out there. Is, uh, is fishing uh, prohibited, prohibited within a certain range of the shore? Uh, there is uh, freshwater fishing within the park. Uh -huh. But how about in the ocean? Uh, is any of that off limits to fishing? Um, yeah, marine angling is um, generally uh, regulated by the, the state uh, Department of Marine Resources. So that's outside of the, the park's jurisdiction. Oh, uh -huh. So what kind of what kind of birds? I think you uh, you did your graduate work on uh, on foraging behavior of war warblers. Is that right? Yeah. So the park is pretty. The, the way that the park is situated with all of these different habitats, we have a lot of different kinds of birds as well. And so we have seabird island colonies, uh, and then also there's the park it lies right inside of the Atlantic Flyway. And mm -hmm. so especially this time of year, there's a lot of migrating birds. Uh, a lot of millions of uh, songbirds are migrating along here. And they're utilizing the Acadian landscape as stopover areas. And so they will stop in Acadia for a little while and refuel and forage before they head along on their migration. So this is, a, this is an especially neat time of year for, uh, for migrating birds. Uh, but then there are also a lot of resident birds um, and everything from uh, seabirds to, uh, to sea ducks um, and to 
uh, forest birds. What kind of species, what species are most prevalent? So there's, I, I think that we have over 20 species of warblers um, in Acadia, uh, which is pretty amazing. And so this is definitely a, a birding hotspot. Um, and there are uh, species of, of rare birds that come through as well as a lot of uh, species of common birds. And, and common birds are a big focus for us because uh, in you know, conserving the ecological integrity of the park, uh, a, a big focus is to keep common birds common because um, they play a, a large role in, in that integrity of the ecology here. Uh, what kind of, what endangered species of birds do you find there? So some, so state listed endangered species would be something like the peregrine falcon, um, which we do put a lot of uh, effort into in the park. We have uh, nesting pairs on the cliffs in the park, um, and peregrine falcons were, they were actually delisted federally in 1999, but they remain on the Maine Endangered Species Act uh, mm. list. And, mm. uh, they were extirpated from the park um, in the 70s, uh, primarily due to uh, pesticides and DDT usage mm. uh, as, as they were um, listed as endangered along with a, a lot of other raptors in the country. Uh, and Acadia was part of a, the reintroduction program where uh, young chicks were captively reared and then released in Acadia. And so we've maintained a, uh, a really strong monitoring program since the mid 80s in Acadia, uh, watching the, the recovery of, of peregrine falcons in the park. So I assume there are, there are birding groups like Audubon that uh, come up, and uh, what, what in particular are they looking for? What are the, yeah, what are, sure are. Um, what are the rare and, species? Yeah, well, I think that some of it is, is uh, the rare species, maybe they're looking for some of these uh, seabirds, and so that would be you know offshore islands and, and that type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, where they're looking for uh, different tern species, such as the, the endangered roseate tern or um, the great cormorant uh, puffin, Atlantic puffins, and, and those types of species. Um, and then also during migration and, and spring migration is a popular time for a lot of birding, uh, where we do have so many different species of warblers that, that you can encounter um, in, in a single morning. Uh, so you mentioned that there are multiple uh, habitat regions. Uh, can you delineate what what those differences are between habitats? Uh, yeah. So Acadia has a uh, a really a gradient, but then also it moves through the geology, um, where we have these riparian areas from the lakes uh, through streams and down to the the ocean, um, and then there are also these. Uh, Ridge tops, which are subalpine, more bald areas, have, have a different suite of species, um, and then maybe the and then the forested areas, uh, such as the coniferous forest and red spruce predominantly, um, or some of the deciduous forests. And uh, what native plants are found in the in Acadia? Uh, there's a lot of native plants, and, and especially um, just given the the abundance and diversity of plants with, within wetlands uh, is an amazingly diverse area uh, in, in plant species uh, from wetlands for freshwater wetlands and also uh, salt marsh and estuary areas as well. Are there any species that are unique to Acadia and aren't found anywhere else? 
either among plants or animals? Or um, there are some unique uh, communities of plants, um, but not as much the uh, you know only found in in Acadia. Um, okay. Uh, what kinds of uh, amphibians or uh, freshwater animals do you find in the creeks and lakes? Yeah, so the uh, amphibians are, are neat, and especially it, something that I find interesting is salamanders in the park. Um, and so there's uh, redback salamanders are incredibly abundant uh, within oh. the forest floor and in, in the leaf litter. Uh -huh. um, but there's also uh, stream salamanders, and so two-line salamanders and, uh, and dusky salamanders within streams and, and, and the creeks. Um, there are a lot of uh, vernal pools as well, and so the uh, spotted salamander as well as uh, wood frogs that breed in vernal pools, and vernal pools are uh, small depressions in the landscape that are not a part of a uh, river system, and so they are just spring-fed or spread fed in the spring um, by rainfall, and the amphibians uh, lay eggs there, uh, and the eggs will hatch, and the, the tadpole or larva will, will leave the vernal pools before it dries out in the summer. Um, and spotted salamanders are, are very interesting in, in the park because for a couple of reasons. One is that they are quite abundant, which is, which is great, and something that we work hard to uh, continue. But then also there's a few unique populations within the park um, and some really interesting research on uh, salamanders that are salt tolerant. And so they're actually using uh, vernal pools that have some influence from the, from the ocean and so have some salt, which is uh, an interesting physiological uh, phenomena really that has not been studied well in the species. Mm. And, and that, sort of, that research is ongoing in the park. Are any of those uh, aquatic species uh, threatened or endangered? Uh, they're not currently threatened or endangered. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, to the larger uh, animals. Uh, I, when I think of Maine, I think of moose. Uh, I assume you have some in the park? Uh, yes, yeah, moose are uh, predominantly in the mainland section of the park, actually. Um, where they are able to move between uh, wetland areas and forested areas within the park, but then also outside of the park. Uh, the park is fortunate enough to have a lot of uh, surrounding areas that are uh, high quality wildlife habitat as well as the park and, and good connectivity between those as well. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, you, also have, you also have wolves in, uh, in the park? No, we do not have wolves. No park. wolves, huh? Uh, none coming down from Canada, huh? Uh, how about wolverine or or any what uh, what other mammals uh, are found in the park? Uh, other mammals would be uh, bobcat, black bear um, would be some of those uh, carnivores and, and eastern coyote as well. Uh -huh. um, White-tailed deer is is very abundant, uh, and then a lot of the uh, uh, weasel species, fisher and uh, mink, uh, river otter as well, um, and then a, a suite of uh, small mammals, and um, whether it's flying squirrels or, or white-footed mouse, and these are all really important species uh, to the ecology of the area, 
Uh-huh. They are uh, uh, forage-based, like the white-footed mouse for um, for owls and, and other species as well, or it's um, or those more charismatic species like a like a bobcat. And if, what would a visitor to the park be likely to see uh, and observe? The uh, the best watchable wildlife in the park is definitely the bird species, and birding is, is a great way to get out and, and see wildlife, mm-hmm. a great way to uh, connect with those resources. Uh, it, it's amazing with, with over 300 species of birds, and uh, and they're also very abundant in the park, you're, you're going to be pretty sure that you're going to see something, which is, which is always satisfying for a visitor. Um, if I ask somebody to go looking for a moose, they'll probably come up without seeing anything, but oh, really? you're, you're pretty sure to see something if you're going birding. Do you lead, uh, do you lead uh, wildlife exploration trips? Excuse me, what's that? Do you do you lead trips to to observe bird life, wildlife? Uh, typically, I do not myself, but we do have a uh, ranger-led programs for birds uh-huh. um, and other uh, and, and evening programs as well um, in the park. Uh huh. Do you have some ongoing research projects? Yeah, so uh, it's an amazing, um, actually one of the fundamental uh, purposes in the park is uh, science and and learning. And so we have a saying of uh, science for parks and parks for science, where the park is, um, there's a lot of research going on, whether it's park service or partners, uh, whether it's universities or other agencies, there's a lot of research going on to uh, how we can best manage and conserve the park. Uh, but then also the park is a really amazing natural laboratory uh, for research studies and, ex- and uh, non-experimental design or experimental design. Um, in the park, there's around 90 research permits issued last year, Holy which smoke. is pretty amazing. So there's wow. a lot of research going on in the park. Um, and that's and it's a great uh, benefit to the park as, as well as um, science and learning in general, because that's a lot of uh, folks who are interested in the park and a lot of folks who are interested in learning more and uh, different ways that we can uh, expand our our understanding. And those are those are universities um, or non-governmental organizations. Uh, these are other agencies, whether they're state or federal. Uh, there's also independent partners and independent researchers. Um, and it's it's a great way to really come together and and increase that understanding of the place. Can you give me an example of one of the research projects that's uh, found something really interesting? Oh, one of the research projects that I was mentioning earlier actually is the uh, the spotted salamanders that are using these uh, uh, salt um, intruded areas, and so they're actually uh, typically. Uh, spotted salamanders are are understood to be uh, to not tolerate salt well, and especially in their embryonic development. Uh, but we have populations where they are actually laying their eggs and breeding in these pools that are above high tide line, but they're within the splash zone, and so they have quite high uh, saline contents, mm. and they the they're they continue to be uh, there and they continue to come back. And so we have a couple research projects ongoing 
um, which is really neat. And it has a lot of uh, interesting and unknown applications uh, to, to science beyond. And so we've been able to collaborate with um, Ultra the Atlantic a lot uh, and uh, faculty and students there who are doing this research, as well as at a few other universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also at a um, uh, biomedical research institute where they um, are interested in how, uh, how the, the physiology may be, uh, you know, not completely understood. Right. So uh, are there some uh, threats from invasive plants in the intruding into the park? Uh, the short answer is yes, there are. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, and especially with climate change, there's a lot of additional threats and unknown uh, behaviors of how these plant populations will establish or expand. Um, currently, Acadia has put in uh, a lot of a significant effort um, and has done a really amazing job at reducing a lot of these invasive plant populations mm-hmm. and then also managing the continued invasion by some of these plants. And so it's something that we're really proud of where we've been able to get out in front of or at least try to play catch up with a lot of these invasive plant populations, um, and it's something that we really are, are thinking about into the future, especially as uh, those dynamics change. What are the consequences of uh, climate change that you've observed? So it's interesting where climate change is particularly, excuse me, let me go back. So climate change is potentially exacerbated in Acadia. Um, the Gulf of Maine, which the uh, Maine coastline is, is located inside of, is warming incredibly fast. And so the body of water is warming fast. And so climate change impacts are potentially accelerated in the Acadia landscape. Uh, and what we'll be seeing, or what we have been seeing potentially is the increase in storm events. Um, and then the increase in, for instance, with the invasive plants is increased length of growing season. Um, and for a lot of the wildlife, particularly as I was mentioning, the migratory wildlife and migratory birds is uh, a potential mismatch of when forage is available, uh, when, you know, when those peak forage is available based on plants or insect resources, and then also when birds are uh, migrating through because they may not be cued on the same temperature changes that we're experiencing in the same extended uh, uh, time frames as far as the growing season and the uh, offsetting of those insect populations as well. So uh, does, does wildlife, uh, both plants and animals, have good connectivity with areas outside of the park? Yeah, so the, I think that the, the connectivity is really, it's been pretty good. Um, and part of the charm of Acadia is that the, lands of Acadia within fee lands are really interspersed with the community. Um, and so it's interspersed with villages, uh, private lands, uh, as well as other institutional lands or uh, agency lands. And so keeping good connectivity for animals and plants in the Acadia landscape is really as much about um, how we manage our own lands, but also how we work with our partners uh, and neighbors and, and to manage lands so that those really important parts are maintained. Um, and then also uh, people with their varying missions and organizations with their varying missions uh, can, can get their work done as well. Well, 
We are just about out of time. So, uh, Vic, I really appreciate uh, your telling us about Acadia. It's a park that's sort of off in a corner of the country, and uh, probably not a lot of people uh, uh, know of it. And uh, it'd be a great. I have a friend who visited about a year ago, and uh, he he just loved it up there. So, thank you very much, uh, uh, and good luck with uh, what you're doing. Thank so, you very much. Appreciate it. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to kgvm.com or to our website at jswilderness.com to see additional features. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.